way back, he's growing me a beer. <laughs> no, I don't want to. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Game Pass Grab Bike, your weekly podcast reviewing games from the game Xbox Game Pass collection. With me, or this week I am not your host, but your current host while Andrew is getting Liz a beer. <laughs> The person who is causing everyone stress in the dungeon, although I think that is actually okay. Andrew this week. Oh. And that's me, Keith. That was, that was a um, very poor attempt at an intro there, Liz. Back, back now with us is Andrew, who wants to say he's the one carrying the torch, but again, I don't really know because he wasn't here to start the podcast. <laughs> and then Liz, um, the person who forgot to go to the bathroom before we entered the dungeon. So, uh, Hey, guys. How's that going for us? Thank you, Keith, for doing the intro, because apparently Liz doesn't want to do that. So uh, this I is... misunderstood you. So for us, this is actually, oh, we're keeping this is actually all of take this. two. I don't know if Keith mentioned that, because he uh, ended up deleting his file. So uh, this is take two for us. So we're back and giving less effort this time around. So here we go. <laughs> At least for the first 10 minutes. That's all we lost. Once we're 10 minutes, we're locked in, and it's back in gear. So this week, we played Darkest Dungeon, which was a listener pick from our... One of our listeners, Man Brew Pig, thank you very much for the recommendation. We played Darkest Dungeon by Red Hook Studios. Darkest Dungeon is a challenging gothic roguelike turn-based RPG that is set in a psychological, stress-filled universe that is pretty much Lovecraftian, but they don't say Lovecraftian, and they don't say Cthulhu, so it's very close to it, though. But going around, Keith, was this a gamer pass for you? So I'm going to have to go with it's definitely a game. I don't think it's a must-play because if you're not really into roguelikes, you're just, I don't think, really going to get into it. Maybe if you like turn-based strategy, you can. But overall, if you like roguelikes, if you like turn-based type games, it's definitely a good game. There's some issues I do have with it as far as some of the gameplay aspects. But outside of that, it's it's a really fun and interesting take on a roguelike. It's not just your, your typical platformer, pick up a weapon, and hopefully it's the best one in the game. So I think it's really cool. So for me, I'm going to give this a game as well. I'm in the same boat with Keith. I have some of my issues with it, but overall it's a lot of fun. It's even though like I've noticed some people call it a roguelike. I think it's more of like a roguelite. It, 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 Is there really a difference? Cause I, I just say them interchangeably if I'm honestly, being yeah, I honest. guess it's kind of splitting hairs, but it, this isn't like, I don't know. I didn't feel like too much was like, the whole purpose of something is kind of doing a run, dying, and like you're progressively going. But this game has permadeath, so even though you are slightly progressing, you could be set back if you end up losing some of your heroes. Overall, I think this game is a lot of fun. Um, it is on Game Pass PC and Game Pass console. If I had to give a recommendation, I would say actually to play it on PC. I remember when I first saw this game come out for PC, I was like, this game looks like super easy. I don't know why they just don't port over to console. And after playing it on console... I think it's better on PC. <laughs> I feel like right now I'm in the middle. So most of the time that I'm playing, it would have been a pass because I found the beginning really difficult to understand like what I was doing. And then the gameplay, it's not very forgiving and the progression is really slow. And I feel like I just got to a point where I'm starting to enjoy it, enjoy the gameplay. But now I feel like it's kind of getting tedious. Like it's the same thing over and over and over again. So I think I'm going to lean towards the pass on this one so getting into the story as i said the story of darkest dungeon is you are a relative of a family fortune your uncle i believe he says he was is in charge of your old family manor you know you guys come from a long history of you know wealth and 
prosperity and your uncle ends up blowing it all on women and alcohol and he gets bored with that. And he's like, hey, I hear there's a rumor that there's an ancient evil dungeon in the basement. So I'm going to spend the rest of the fortune to dig it up. I, I don't know why. If someone was ever like, hey, we're this mansion's built on top of literally a dungeon of horrors. I would not think, hey, let me spend all my money to dig this up. I would sell it. I know. But anyway, he ends up, unfortunately, succeeding and a bunch of horrors end up pouring out. So he calls upon you to come to the manor and save the manor and try to clear up the enemies and try to restore your manor. And you end up recruiting these mercenaries to basically do these dungeon runs for you. And you really don't pay them and they just sacrifice themselves for your name. But what do you guys overall think of the story? For me, I thought it was just incredibly disappointing. There, It's in this Lovecraft universe, but I felt like the story was just so glossed over. And there's some hidden articles you can find and hidden dialogue and pages you can get. But I felt like it was so underutilized. Well, you know how I feel about a story. So I... Oh, wait. I'll, I'll wait for Liz. Yeah, hold Sorry. on. <laughs> Boo sound over I here. I thought you'd keep going and Andrew would just, you know, get rid of it. <laughs> Not anymore. Nope, it's now. way better this way. Now we're leaving now it. I'm so rude. So, so as I was saying, you know how I feel about a story that I never give a crap at all. And Not honestly, there's, and there's been a few exceptions there, Keith. Okay, there's there's an ex- yeah, he likes Battlefield. Wonder Song was pretty cool that episode, but he liked Battlefield. Okay. I did love the Battlefield stories, but as far as the story in this game, I didn't really care enough about it to to not like it. Because it was really just a means to an end. And honestly, I feel like in most roguelikes, to a certain degree, it's really a mechanic of just like, hey, let's give you just some slight purpose as to why you're doing this thing that you're doing. And then from there, go do that thing and, and do it over and over and over again. But even like Slay the Spire doesn't really give you any story. It's just like, hey, there's a spire. Go slay it. <laughs> <laughs> and so like this type of game doesn't need a story and so you could have just been like hey this dark evil dungeon is said to have many treasures and adventurers come from the you know all over the world you can hire them here and have them go do it for you like that would have been just as effective yeah i didn't really delve too much into it because i mean there were journal entries and stuff that i i mean i knew i could probably look and see what they said but I felt like I was struggling with the controls in general with the gameplay that I didn't try to learn more. And then the beginning, I mean, the characters just kind of seem like the worst. So it's like, do I really want to get to know these characters that already suck? So for me, I kind of agree with Keith. I feel like this game is more about the gameplay and eh. So I, I, I agree with you guys. You know, this is generally how most, you know, roguelikes are. It's just, it's just a means to an end. But I feel like this game actually was trying to go for a story because right at the beginning, you're mostly collecting these like bloody pages that took me a while to figure out where to actually read them and learn the story of these pages that I'm collecting. But there are like these side stories and they really weren't that interesting. And then the entire time you're playing, your uncle's narrating and like explaining some things. Like whenever you're fighting a boss before, like in the load screen, he gives a whole dialogue of, you know, who this boss is, how they became to be and, you know, why it's like significant. Like it's not just, oh, here's a big old blob and he's, he's big and bad. No, there's always like a story with it. And so like I felt like they just kind of dropped the ball because the story, even though I feel like they were trying to make it front and center – it's also like hidden and I know it's kind of getting ahead, but the narrator, like your uncle who's like talking most of the time is 
sometimes really good, but the other times would always make me chuckle. Because he was, it was bubbles weird. and trinkets. Bubbles and trinkets. Like, it always sounds like he has like, a mouthful of marbles. <laughs> it always made me laugh. I loved it. But yeah, so I don't know. I, I For me, like, this game's in a Lovecraft universe. I love Lovecraft universe stuff. Like, you know, dealing with psychological horrors and, you know, these weird atrocities and stuff like that. This game, I felt like, just really kind of glossed over it. I was disappointed. See, you keep saying Lovecraftian, and I'm going to be completely honest with you. I, I don't read a lot of books. I know that probably comes as a shock to you. Oh, I don't read a lot of comic books. Or, well, comic books, graphic novels, none of that. I I guess I don't necessarily see the, the Lovecraftian aspect of it from what I understand. The only thing I can see that really carries over is the Cthulhu things. Kind of. like the, In, like, Eldritch, I think, or whatever. Yeah, that's what they're calling this like, game, yeah. But overall, like, I don't know, pig monsters and people. Like, I thought Lovecraftian was also a bit kind of like steampunk to a certain degree, isn't it? Or am I, am I mixing? Because I mean, there's different games. That's my image. And this is very gothic, like, uh, not ancient, uh, medieval. Like, it's not modern day enough, I don't think, for Lovecraftian. What's an example? Maybe I'm totally Because I love to read, but I don't think I've read Lovecraftian that much. Well... An example oh, is, do you not oh. remember the board game I bought you called Arkham Horrors? I do. No, I'm asking you for a book example. <laughs> I mean, H.P. Lovecraft? Lovecraft. That literally really? is, I think, the book's title. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> I thought that was the author. Yeah, but... I, See, I, I don't know any. I, I, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I don't read it either. I've always just seen it in different universes and done in different Oh, you're talking games. about it like it's like a genre. It is, but this author is the one who made it become a thing so hence it's why it's named after him but yeah it always ends up dealing with you know like cthulhu and kind of these psychological interdimensional monsters and you don't have to deal with you know not only physical health but mental health and so this is just another one of those games where it has these kind of different aspects of it all right i guess but it's not but to answer your question keith about it being steampunk it some are it's it's like liz said it's kind of more of a genre and the most I've seen it is normally takes place in like the 40s or 50s. You normally deal with like revolvers or Tommy guns, like kind of older esque weapons. But yeah, I do agree. This game is definitely like kind of farther back because you're dealing with like flintlock pistol kind of things and mostly melee weapons of swords and machetes and flails, stuff like that. Yeah, that, the the gun, the those pistols are really the only thing of guns. They kind of muskets some of the enemies. Well, there's grenades too. Oh, I guess. <laughs> hmm. So yeah, overall, yeah, I think the story is just. I think it just could have been better, but or the game does shine is of course the gameplay. You know, that's where you're spending most of your time. And as far as the gameplay goes, I I enjoyed it a lot. When I first played it, it hooked me. I like right at the beginning, it specifically says, like, it gives you this text box that you actually have to, like, press it, like, acknowledge. But it says, you know, this game is very difficult. Your characters are going to die, and it's permanent death. And, you know, you got to deal with all these different things. Like, this is not meant to be easy. Which, that makes me play so much slower. And, like, I'm so much more careful when I know that there's going to be a lot of deaths. Because even at the beginning, I had, like, my absolute favorite characters. And so, for me, I was just trying so carefully see i think i played a lot more like you liz because i i tried not to lose too many characters and it's it's such a weird thing because there's nothing actually lovable about the characters they're interesting as far as their different designs go like they're 
and, and going kind of back to what Andrew was saying is it felt like there should be more backstory to who these types of these adventurers are. The leper who's, you know, covered his face up and basically is just on a suicide mission just to this darkest dungeon or like different things like that. I think I would like to know more about what they are. Yeah, but like I the abomination turns into a werewolf. Like, what's but it's not really a werewolf, is it? It's a. It's pretty close. But it, I mean, either it's a way, monster. It, it turns into something. It turns into an abomination. Why is that? What? What caused that? But otherwise, I. I don't know. Going back to my original, my original thought, and where I was uh, piggybacking off of Liz was the fact that I kind of just looked at them as like my favorite toys. I was like, ooh. This this is just the best one, and I was yeah. afraid to lose them, but not because I had some emotional attachment to it. So when I lost them, it was more like ah nuts than a oh I'm sad. Well, did any of you guys ever like purposely kill any of your people? <laughs> um, well, you well, oh not if they not if they made me angry. No, I I mean I intentionally killed a a, a squad of four, but that was for you know achievements, oh. which we we won't get into now. So when a game is permadeath, like I'm a huge fan of the XCOM series. And like, that's another kind of squad based, you know, you have like a party of four to six, you send them out. And if they die, like it's permanent death. But like this game, of course, deals with a bunch of random number generators. So, you know, when you're attacking, it's like, oh, you may, it's probably like a 90% chance you'll hit. And even though it's 90%, you still end up missing. Yeah. If there's a character that keeps missing or keeps doing low numbers, if they die, I'm like, screw you. You did a bad job. Like you kept getting low numbers. I want you to die. I'm just mad at you. Sometimes it's just one run though. Like I have like my tried and true, but there's one time that he was just missing the ball every single time. And I like encourage him to die if someone does that. For me, like I I had my favorite characters that leveling up is so hard in this game. It takes a long time. Well, because you have to come, you have to complete a run for them to level up. If you end up escaping the dungeon, they get no XP. And and you are right though, like that's I'm not saying that's the only reason. It's just that that's part of it. And then the other part is just that yeah, you get like two XP per run, and it takes a long time. Well, I thought I was doing it wrong because I had to leave the dungeon a lot at the beginning, and so for me, I never knew if I was doing a good job or not i thought it was gonna start out easier and then just progressively get harder but i feel like it was just the hardest at the beginning and then it got slowly easier if that makes sense no i definitely agree with you like i found myself running i think probably four or five of the first times in a row that i went like i just was like well i guess i'm gonna peace out again because i don't want to lose these characters and you know I've got a good chunk of stuff, so I would leave the dungeon. But once I actually leveled up some of the merchants around town and I started getting the ability to, like, upgrade weapons or upgrade skills or reduce stress, things like that. Because at the very beginning, you don't necessarily have the ways to reduce their stress levels that they're gaining in those first runs. So then you go back into the dungeon and they're already, like, at peak levels. So it's kind of difficult. But... Andrew was joking about earlier, though, is that the, you know, you pay these heroes literally nothing and you at least get two per per week. So, you know, I guess the ideal thing and probably one of the best things to do when you're starting out is don't be afraid to just pick up the heroes that are there. Don't don't worry about what they have. Just have them available. So for those first couple sets of runs, you can you can switch people out and you're not constantly running high stress. Hot tip. Yeah, people are literally just cannon fodder at the beginning. Yeah, I, th- I think the big issue at the beginning for me anyways was money because I would get people that were so stressed, but then I had to factor in that certain things don't carry over. So you need torches every run, but they don't carry over food, things like that. And so 
for me, I just felt like I didn't have enough money to keep up with like the stress level of my characters. And that was just like the biggest annoyance for me at the very beginning, I think, was that that and also like I there's really no tutorial. So like when you're adding different abilities to characters like switching them out and even just navigating everything i had no idea what i was doing so it took me a really long time for me to actually make my characters better and more usable because the game doesn't teach you how and i mean that along with like the controls when you're playing i just felt like everything in this game was like set up to make it harder i i fully agree with you Liz. so this is why at the beginning i said this game is probably better on pc because I remember when this game, when I first saw this game come out on PC, you know, it's, t- it's turn-based RPG, kind of slow, and I was like, "This is perfect for a console." This is not a great port from PC to console. Specifically, the controls—the controls are just—they're so confusing. And yeah, this game doesn't explain much. There is a glossary you can look at, but when you're dealing with a controller, it's not intuitive. It's—it's it's hard to figure out what you need to do. There was actually one time I was struggling trying to equip like uh, some of the items on my heroes. you As you're doing some dungeons, you're getting some items and they're put into a chest. But it's, once again, kind of hard to find the chest. It's in the bottom right corner where you press Y to open the chest. But it's it's hard to kind of switch through your heroes, look through their stat sheets, figure out what a lot of things are. Either way, the, the controls are just not great for the uh, controller in this game. And they trick you too. So when you finish a quest, it'll say like, oh, you finished, do you want to leave? And your instinct is to say yes. But if you stay behind, you get to open the chest. Like it's weird to me that they would pop that up before you opened it. So I don't know. I just feel like there's a bunch of tricky little things. And same with Andrew showed me when I was walking along a hallway that you can look to see which characters are better at uh, disarming traps because there's a percentage. So, like, I one of my guys was, like, 70%, and um, he didn't make it. You still failed. I yeah, and I didn't even know how to check it, though. So, for me, I just felt like the game purposefully makes it hard. Yeah. Now, see, this is something I'm curious about, because you mentioned the glossary, and the, there was one thing I looked up in the glossary, and it was, it was one of the ratings. It was ACC, and... I was able to kind of figure out, okay, that's accuracy, some capacity, but I didn't really know how it worked. So what was nice is in the glossary, it does explain. It's like your accuracy number less their, I think, dodge or protection number or something like that is like it, it, it equates to its percentage to hit or something along those lines. I don't remember, but ultimately higher ACC number equals a better accuracy. But that said is, um, what were you, sorry, crap. What were we talking about? Stats? Glossary? I don't know. Stats? Man, yeah. you're pulling a Liz here and having I a I was talking fired. about how the game makes it harder right before you talked. Yeah. <laughs> you pulled a Liz. This is such a I great did. moment. It's I not did. just me, guys. I completely lost my train of thought <laughs> on there. I think just overall, the game... I, I am ultimately trying to say that I agree with both of you. That the game does a terrible job with walkthroughs and i know and i'm one to to say i think sometimes games overdo walkthroughs or and i wish they could just make them optional but this is a game that just so drastically needed of one because yeah there's just things that like i didn't realize like i it took me until i don't know somewhere around last night i was playing hitting somewhere in the 20 plus hour range of this game that the hero that i was selected on was the one that was actually going to 
open a chest. Or oh, I thought it just. Not know that? <laughs> I thought it was just all random. I honestly yeah. did. And if I had paid attention, I probably would have noticed it. But I just, I didn't realize that. I didn't. So same with like trying to disarm a trap. I was just like, I don't know. I'd just try and disarm it when I got to it and um, hope for the best. So. Yeah, those these are just like weird little things that you just don't know and things that seem like they should make sense, like hitting the A button to advance to the next screen. No, you have to hit the right stick for that. Like that's not an intuitive stick to click for yeah. accepting anything in, in a controller based game. Yeah. So while I didn't play it on the PC. I just I, I have to agree with Andrew. This game was I designed for PC and they just didn't do a good job on controls on on the controller. Well, also, like, there was a character that I had, and he was in the front, and he would always open things, and he would always steal them. And I was like, Andrew, what the heck is happening? And then he was like, oh, no, he's he's got kleptomania. kleptomania. And so... Yeah, there's perks and quirks. Yeah, and then Andrew was telling me, like, oh, you can pay to get rid of it. Like, you, are, I, I don't know if at that point I could unlock it yet. Uh, I think I could. But it's just little things like that. We are just like, my character has like negative things. Like yeah. what is, so for me, and then obviously you accrue more and then you have to pay to get rid of them. But it's like, that would have been nice to know because I wouldn't have selected him to open things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even if you don't select him, he just goes up and steals it. And, oh. And yeah, if you don't know what's Again, going on. Again, that would have been nice to know. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> what the heck's going on? Why is this guy taking stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, that's where it's a weird aspect of the gameplay where you have to find yourself like constantly you want to keep using a character because you want to level them up but you almost always have to give them a break after every single fight sometimes too because it's like i need to reduce their stress also they just picked up this really bad disease that i need to fix Mm -hmm. so like you kind of you're constantly going back and back and back and i think that was one of the things that began to frustrate me too was that the as i got heroes that were in a stronger pool it was just getting to this weird point where i was almost exclusively getting medium and hard level dungeons or veteran and hero or whatever champions the highest veteran yeah veteran and champion so yeah it goes at like level one three and five and i i had this issue where i was like i can't do any of this because i need to work on these characters but i also need to go make money but all these characters suck and i need like a handful of easy missions and there's just like none and the ones that are there are long missions and i not only are those still harder because they're long but also they're just kind of boring yeah i i liked the short missions uh, which i guess we should explain too yeah so every time you're going into a dungeon you're not only managing like your actual party but you got to manage like their physical needs of course so you got to bring food you got to bring you know wood which the wood's free so if you're doing a medium mission, you get one pile of wood, which you do a campfire and you end up spending a night. If it's a long mission, you get two piles. And so you always got to deal with, you know, your character's psychological need. You got to deal with their, their actual physical health. And so if you don't have any food, your characters start to starve and, you know, they get more stressed, they lose health. And so you have to do these campfires every once in a while to try to replenish some of the stuff, you know, maybe bring down some of their stress levels, give them some buffs. Which the first time I did that, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, it was it was it was a pop up window real quick, but it was something just it was a real quick like, hey, you gotta use your campfire wood and go on a camp every once in a while. I do kind of like that the game really does feel random. I mean, it was amazing when it worked for me. So especially when you get through the first 
bar of stress, your person is tested. And I was always like so anxious to see if they would do well or not. It only happened once that it did well for me. (laughs) But I felt like when the runs were, were good, they were just good. But whenever the runs were bad, they were like real bad. I felt like I would like just not be able to dodge. I would miss all my hits. So I I was always waiting for that good run, but I felt like it just like didn't happen very often. Well, so one of the the really tricky things again, where the, there's just not a good explanation for it, is it's there's so many of these minor little details. Like you have to really pay attention to the trinkets that you're assigning to characters. And like in particular, there's one that like increases that virtue chance. So you get like a good outcome if they hit that stress level. And it's just, I don't know, little things like that. Like, honestly, this is a, what did I'm I'm interjecting the, what did you YouTube this week? And I didn't YouTube (laughs) anything, but I did Google and I came across an article where it was like 15 things you should know about starting darkest dungeon. And honestly, like some of it was super duper basic, but some of it was like, actually helpful things that again like 10 plus hours in the game i went oh okay i didn't realize that that helps i didn't realize that that helps and i just i i don't i don't have the link but i would highly recommend just doing a quick google search before you start playing this game just to give someone a five minute walk through or listen to this if we do a good enough job but just yeah like dig into it a little bit and you're just going to enjoy it much more when you start yeah oh yeah i i, I totally agree with that tip keith like there is just so many small things with this game. Like you're always dealing with torchlight, like how dark it is and stuff like that. And you know, there's pros and cons of it. You know, if it's super dark out, you know, you have a higher chance of missing, but you get more loot. Enemies end up dropping, like end up like dropping double loot. And so there's like these tons of tiny little details. And you have characters that can actually help with your torch too. Yeah. So if you're running a little short, you need to look at your characters. And even the fact that there are trinkets that you can give to the people to help them. I just thought it was all just going towards money. I had no idea for the longest time. And it's like, oh, that would have been nice to, you know, equip things. Yeah. So I highly recommend too that you either watch a YouTube video, look up an article, there is just a lot of small details. And if you're playing on controller, like we said, it's it's very hard to kind of like because normally on a PC you can, you know, mouse over something, mouse over your torch and it explains these things or explains what the buffs and debuffs are that your character might have. But with a controller, you gotta hit these buttons. It's mostly left trigger to kind of get like a closer detail of like what's going on. And it just the controls just aren't great on the controller. Um, you know, one thing I didn't that it doesn't talk about anywhere is the the position of the fighters like when you're looking at their player card it gives you the four slots and it has like yeah yeah. i discovered that pretty early and i gave liz that tip pretty early because that can that's such a helpful thing too with like this game is so much about strategy and i think that's why i think it's interesting as a rogue light like whatever the heck we want to call it because you you really have to strategize that yeah there's a lot of randomness to it in the way that your fights overall go and accuracy and percentages but outside of that you largely control your fate in the way that you roll out a team what stuff you put on them how you equip their skills because by the end of it i i was talking to you last night andrew i found like it was almost the perfect team it i think i lost i lost them because i went into a dungeon that was too hard for me but outside of that like when i was operating on a on a level that was equal to where I should be taking them. Like I was just cruising through things cause I was stacking bleed and I had a lot of heal across the board. And I think those are the two 
best things you can put on your team personally. Yeah. I mean, this game is honestly like if you're someone who loves just random number generated games, like if you're a huge Dungeons and Dragons fan, this is this game's right up your alley. I think you'll have a lot of fun with it. But yeah, Keith, I, I wanted to ask, have, did you actually ever attempt the Darkest Dungeon like with a real squad? Um, no, I think I was going to take that squad. And then I was like, I'll take them out on one more run. I think like one of them had to hit level like I had three level sixes and a level five. And I was like, I just want to get this level five up to a six. I'll, you know, kind of fix everyone. And then I'll take a darkest dungeon run. And then, yeah, I bit off more than I could chew with like a medium mission against a boss. And it, oh, it, it did me dirty. Uh, and so, then I, and, and then I quit for the night because I, I was very butthurt about losing. my So I actually, games. well, it should be a good thing that you didn't do a darkest dungeon run. Cause the darkest dungeon run is, you know, of course it's end game and it's brutal. Like I, I, there's an achievement for one where you take a bunch of level zeros and you basically let them die. It's like you get like you end up getting like two or three achievements doing it. But if you go to the darkest dungeon, normally if you are afraid of losing your heroes, you can flee and quit the mission early. But if you're in the darkest dungeon, at least one of your heroes has to die. So I, did again, see, I did see that. Yeah. So I tried <gasps> to do random? it. random? Yeah, and I ended up losing like one of my really good characters. But I'm like, oh, that was my mistake for actually trying to do the dungeon. I mean, there were like two level six and two level fives, and they had like really good gear. So I was like, oh, they'll probably be fine. No, they were not no. fine. <laughs> yeah, that's brutal. But yeah, so the normally with the, how the world's broken into, you have four regular dungeons, and then of course the darkest dungeon, which is end game, and each one of the worlds, you know, kind of focus on a different type of creature type. You know, you have the weld. Is it weld or wield? I know we I called it wield, but it, it's kind of more of like you know an outdoor kind of grove. So you're kind of dealing with some plant based. You got the cove, which is a lot more kind of sea based creatures. You have the ruins which end up being kind of, you know, more human-based. And then you have, like, the burrows, which is a lot of, like, beasts and pig-like creatures. So each one of these areas were pretty diverse. But at the end of the day, like, you kind of knew who, what kind of enemies were going to fight. But honestly, all the dungeons kind of blended in for me. And, like, this is where I agree with Liz, where, like, once you kind of hit, like, the 10-hour mark of this game, it starts to get a bit repetitive, like, you need to do a lot of grinding. The main purpose you're going to these dungeons is you're trying to get family heirlooms, which use these heirlooms to upgrade the town. And after a while, you just got to get so many heirlooms. And once again, this is another thing the game did not explain. But if you have a ton of a, a particular heirloom, you can actually trade them in to get a different heirloom. So if you have like 100 shields, you can be like, well, I don't need these shields anymore. I, I need the, you know, the busts. Let me get like a handful of the boss by trading them in. Yeah, so like I just I agree with like Liz, where like I was just getting a little bored near the end. I didn't feel like this game was kind of giving me more diversity. There is a good amount of enemy types. Once you start playing the other veteran difficulties, the champion level runs, you were I was getting completely new monsters, which was kind of cool. But you're still essentially doing the same thing. Yeah, I I definitely agree. But it, that did surprise me. Is yeah, I went into a couple of the the larger or not larger, but the um, the more difficult dungeons, and and yeah, I was surprised that all of a sudden I was like, oh, whoa, what what is this thing? I think it was in the in the cove. If you run into the collector, it's yeah, like the, I got him in the burrow. I think. Uh, so I think he's never. That's areas. probably. But either way, like that one was. It was like this cool floating ghost, but it had this weird like fishbowl of, yeah, of he's a, a pain blue fluid 
Oh yeah, he wasn't fun fun to fight particularly, <laughs> but it, but it was like a cool addition and I, so I I actually really liked a lot of the character designs. I thought there was a lot of fun things they did with it. You know, the the fish monsters and all that stuff. And while none of the areas were overly like wowing by any means, I thought they were distinct enough and they felt they felt like they were all just I don't know. You were you were in the place you were supposed to be, I guess. If that makes sense. See, like it, the stuff for me was just in the background, and for me to end up kind of getting lost in the background, like I, I would, I'd actually forget where I'm at. Like, I thought oh, wait, it I'm all looked the, the same. I thought I was doing the same run over and over and over again. It's the same looking traps. It's the same, and then with the enemies, I, I mean, the characters that you're playing are so much nicer to look at than the enemies. I feel like. And I would always get nervous with the new enemies because there was always, like, one that you need to kill first. Otherwise, like, you were screwed. Like, at the very beginning, there was one that gave you stress. And, of course, stress at the beginning is just kryptonite. Yeah, it's pretty devastating. But I felt like the the enemy models were, eh. Really? Just meh? I mean, I, I thought they were nice. I liked them. But sometimes I would just, like, know to go after the bigger ones. Like, if you've got, like, a group of skeletons kind of thing. I think they did a great job, but I just... Okay, meh is too harsh. I just thought that the characters that you play with were just way better. See, I, I fully disagree. I think the character models are the best in this game. Because it's cool, too. The That's what I'm saying. You're, the characters that you're playing. I Well, no, no. It, the enemies and your characters. No, like I'm saying I, I, I like the, the characters, the character models for the enemies. I'm just saying that I feel like the ones that you play are so much better. Like, there's personality and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that's I don't know. The faces are all different. and Well, it could be... For me, it's just, like, a bunch of skeletons that just, like, like one well, skeleton than the other. I mean, that's really just... They reskin them. It's really all it is. Like, you can... And you can change it, actually, in the player card. It's, it's like, yeah. a little setting in the bottom left corner of it. But, like, I, I didn't really care about the recoloring. It, yeah, it wasn't even re- really reskinning, because it was the exact same character every time they just repainted it. So... I, I didn't think that added much for me. Well, I thought but, what was cool yeah. is your characters actually even showed what abilities they had. So, like, take the grave, uh, the grave robber, for example. They have a melee weapon, a pickaxe, but they also deal with throwing knives. So if your character if your character actually has a lot of throwing knives ability, the grave digger actually, like, has a throwing knife in their hand and not the pickaxe. But if you have them more as a melee, they actually have a pickaxe in their hand. So, like, the characters actually kind of show and represent like what their abilities are. And I thought that was kind of like a nice little added of, of detail. Like it wasn't anything too crazy, but it was kind of cool. And as far as the enemies went, I thought the enemy details were super cool and interesting. You know, a lot of them are very grotesque. Like when you're dealing with the pig people, you know, you have one guy who literally has a drum with a human face on it. You know, you have obviously some basic spiders, some slimes, but like, I just, I loved the enemy details. Like Keith was talking about with like the collector, you know, he had a bunch of like skulls in his, his robe and ends up summoning these enemies with the, the skulls that he puts out. I, I loved the details of this, in the game. In all fairness, I didn't get as far as you guys. Yeah. So I was seeing a lot of the same ones, like the, the stress guy that, I mean, like that, he looked like he was, I mean, I think they did a really good job with him. But I also really liked when your characters like have a crit or something. They have like that little scene. Yeah. So I got that a lot with the uh, the nun, when she would heal people and it'd be a crit, and you just saw her like holding the staff up and like yeah. the light and stuff. I, so I thought like those little scenes were really good too. Yeah, the presentation the, of this game is fantastic. 
Like, oh, because you're always like, yes, and it like just flashed on the screen, and you're so excited. Well, and I, it's actually interesting. I, I, I don't know if I actually re- like realized it or not. I think I caught it like one time, but ultimately, I, the point you made, Andrew, about them like showing the weapons that they have, like that's such a good point. There's so many games where it's like all of a sudden your your character has this skill that they just whip out this giant sword out of nowhere, and you're like, well, no, you don't, you can't be carrying that doesn't make sense <laughs> but yeah like you you can actually see it and to a certain degree or to that same point even with the enemies like if you were facing an enemy for the first time and you saw hey they have a spear you kind of already know okay that's their weapon obviously yeah. and all right there's a likelihood they're probably going to do some sort of piercing or bleeding attack like if they don't have a weapon at all okay this is probably some sort of a mage they're going to do some magic they're going to debuff they're going to buff their team like you kind of knew and it, I, I think I read it in my little online tool tool tip that I, I was re- reading, but I'm pretty sure it, it kind of said that generally the strongest were tucked at the back to kind of protect them because you don't have as many skills that go far back unless you have like the the uh, crossbow lady. But yeah, it's... That's the I, correct I name feel, for her. <laughs> yeah. Arbalest is actually the correct term, I yeah. believe. <laughs> but I like crossbow lady. And... Uh, so yeah, like to a certain degree, shooting you kind of bolts, <laughs> shooting shooters. Uh, yeah, I, I felt like I kind of always tried to target the back ones if I could because another one of the kind of interesting mechanics of this game is when you kill an enemy, at, at least like seven, eight out of ten of them, when they die, their body stays unless you kill them by a critical or some sort of damage over time, like a, a bleed or something like that. Yeah. So if you're killing all the front ones and they just leave their bodies behind, you're still not able to get those back ones. So if you can kind of wipe those out early, you're like really helping yourself in terms of who you can attack and, and who's out there. Yeah, the bodies literally become a barricade that you have to try to clear as well. Yeah, I had one of the characters that had like a claw, and he would also mark people, and he was just fantastic. And so whenever he was, you know, away getting de-stressed, I was always bummed. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. That's the bounty hunter. I think he was but, one of my favorites. But yeah, Keith, you made a good point. Like I, I, I gave that tip to Liz as well. Like whenever an enemy appeared, I'm like, you know, see this guy. His weapon's a goblet. I was like, so you can probably expect this guy's probably gonna do a lot more stress damage than he's gonna be doing physical damage. As compared to the people in the front, you know, these guys have massive claws. They probably gonna yeah cause bleed and physical damage. So it's like you just need to figure out like is my party, you know, are they low on health? Or are they low on stress? Like what do I need to focus on? And yeah, this game is all just a balancing act of like what you're trying to focus on. And uh, it was always frustrating with this game. This game, as we said, is very difficult. But my God, the enemy loves to focus on one character. Like the enemy knows mm-hmm. this character already has a ton of stress and they just pour on the stress on your one character in your party. And then it just is so anxiety inducing. But in all fairness, in real life, if you were battling people, you could probably tell which one was peeing his pants, you know? Like, you. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot to go to the bathroom before the party. Yeah, checks out. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think they do a fantastic job with the character models. And like the boss fights, even the bosses were really cool looking. And I do like, we mentioned before, there's kind of a story with them. But it, honestly, the story doesn't make much sense. But I love the boss designs. And the boss fights, to me, were pretty fun. I just think there's too many. You're even kind of repeating boss fights. And for me, I was kind of like, ah, this feels a little lazy. This just feels like it was just added to add more content to the game. You have to fight, you know, like the swine prince three times. 
You have to fight, you know, the fleshy abomination like three times. It was just kind of annoying kind of revisiting these bosses. And they get like one or two new moves and they're just slightly more difficult. It was just kind of annoying. But one of my favorite things and also one of the things that also kind of annoyed me is like the sound effects. So we talked a little bit about the announcer. You hear that guy all the time. And majority of games, as soon as I start, the first thing I do is turn on subtitles. Because I love to see subtitles and make sure, you know, I'm seeing and reading everything and like not missing any story. I instantly turn the subtitles off because the announcer, I just loved hearing the announcer. He was both annoying but also hilarious because he always talked like he had a mouthful of marbles at the beginning there's even this opening cinematic and i'm like oh you know this is really cool you know this guy has like this deep dark voice but especially when it comes to like bees like anytime he uses says b like it's just it's this weird bubbling i don't know it's it's weird sounding it, you just it gotta sound, check him out it it was like a knockoff sean connery kind of like like a, he, like a drunker sean connery <laughs> yeah but there's still like something like sean Con- sean connery <laughs> sean connery <laughs> are you okay keith sean connery yeah. not that hard sean connery's fat drunk uncle is what it sounded like there we go because like some of the words he said it's all like like halfway through he was falling asleep saying it I know, like, our favorite line is, it's trinkets and bubbles, paid with their blood. Like, it's always... <laughs> it's always that blood. Like, it just sounds like he's got a, just a pool of blood in the back or something. Blood? <laughs> or maybe he's just belching as he said it. I didn't notice it, but I was more reading the subtitles. Yeah, because you remember play the volume super low. Yeah, and also I'm like, I'm kind of deaf, so I always, like, read the subtitles even while I'm listening to it. <laughs> Soothed, sedated. That's another one of the things he says whenever you heal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's 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 bizarre. Is he the only voice actor? Yeah, and yeah. you hear you hear him a lot. Honestly, they they need to turn down the narrator a bit. There was actually uh, one thing that kind of annoyed me uh, a little bit with the gameplay. I think that's your phrase of this episode. One thing that kind of annoyed me. Most turn-based RPG games, you can actually cut like turn off animations. You cannot in this game. So, like, some of the fights, I felt like you could really reduce the time. Granted, a lot of the battle animations are not very long. It's really quick. But I love when I, on a turn-based RPG, where I can just turn off animations, and you can't do it in this game. But you can turn off the narrator. Yeah, I do wish, I I do wish that that was an option. I know we kind of missed out on that gameplay, but you said it, so I'm agreeing with you. Like, I wish I could have just had faster action, so it was just, like, instant instead of i don't know going through or just they don't have to move at all just give me the numbers yeah that's that's what this was in some in a lot of ways but overall it's fine just fine overall though i love the sound sound effects in this game because like as liz was saying when that crit hits yeah it does like an extra kind of loud boom or yeah as liz was saying when your character gets to a certain stress level they have a 50 they have like a, a chance to either have a negative perk or and like they end up kind of uh, getting stressed and or they end up getting a good perk and they end up like persevering. And whenever that stress happens, like the screen shakes and it's kind of like, oh, what is it? And then it's like this loud boom happens and it kind of shows, you know, was it a good or a bad thing? So I think the sound effect is really good in this game and it really kind of adds to the stress and honestly, the, the victory of this game. So, yeah, you don't need sound, but I think it does add. See, yeah, this is one of those things. It, it, like you mentioned, that there's, 
the music as a whole, I think, is largely forgettable. That that's a great sound effect. I I actually almost fell over my chair. I'm in a chair that actually doesn't have screws. <laughs> so. When we packed for our three month stay down here, Andrew forgot to pack them. So it's in a bag somewhere. You you know Home Depot exists, right? It's for a specific chair. You need specific screws. Anyway, can you finish your thought? <laughs> so I mean, don't well, worry about my chair. The music is largely forgettable in this game. It, it, it like kind of exists, but a lot of the sound effects involve music. And I think it was, you mentioned Final Fantasy VII, like iconic, like victory music. Yeah. And like when you completed a dungeon, I think maybe it's just because it, it's like at least 10, 15 minutes between one if you just make keep keep making clean runs. So you don't hear it frequently, but that like dungeon completion music is always so like yes like it's it's yeah. satisfying especially because there's moments where you're like your your whole party is like on death's door or at like 180 stress level ready to die from a heart attack and then you complete the mission and you can just hit that escape button safely and you're just like ah oh, i did it <laughs> but the next thing i also want to talk about there actually is a couple dlc for this game so there is one free dlc uh you actually get a new class actually i think it's just a reskinning but you get the musketeer i think it's just a reskinning of the arbalest is what it sounds like but there are two dlc content patches or two dlc actual content of uh, that you can end up purchasing we uh i unfortunately did not purchase any of them if you want us to do more reviews of dlc please feel free to donate but yeah so there are there is more content to this game so if you absolutely love it there is a couple free DLCs, or there's one deal free DLC, but there's a couple content DLCs that are like six bucks each. They're not too expensive. But the other thing is achievements. And as far as achievements go, I do not recommend this game for achievement hunters. But overall, the achievements are well obtainable. But it's not. This is not a game that you quickly burn through. As I said, it kind of gets tedious, and you're kind of doing runs and doing runs and doing runs. The time to beat. I found online is looking at you're looking at 54 and a half hours <laughs> currently me and Keith are like 20 like somewhere like early oh, 20 yeah. hours I I haven't I like we talked about I still haven't tried the darkest dungeon like the actual end game dungeon yeah and you have to a, beat on like a four serious times, I think yeah so like that's that tells you something that 20 hours into the game and I'm still like scrambling for easy missions on the game but I'm going to gripe about achievements because I know Andrew didn't have this issue, but mine are bugged. And I, I'm really hoping it's just like an early issue of the game that's going to get patched out. But there's so many achievements that, like Andrew said, are just sort of just as you go through the game, you're going to get. And it gives you them things like visit the graveyard for the first time, which is where your characters show when they, they're perma dead when they're super dead, you could say. And <laughs> super like, dead. it's a new word. Yeah, Amber says it all the time. So, anywho, uh, like I've definitely visited the graveyard, but yet I didn't get the achievement for that. It's like an eighty percent. You know, everyone gets that achievement basically. Like you have to boot up the game and then never play it to not get that achievement. But I didn't. So that's my one gripe about the game. But I'm hoping it's just a bug that'll get patched, and I'll log in one day and it just starts showering me with achievements, and I'll feel good about myself. Well, I've done largely nothing. Surprisingly, I had no bugs. So yeah, it's surprising, Keith, that yeah, you end up getting the bugs and Liz ended up getting nothing. But yeah, as far as achievements go, like they're all very obtainable. They're just kind of specific. You know, you have some where it's like, you know, completely upgraded the town. Or as Keith said, you know, 
just check out the cemetery. But the ones that are difficult, you have to do certain ones like, you know, you have to have a champion die from a trap. You have to have a champion die from starvation. I mean, some of them, if you're, if you probably play like he's, you know, you're probably just naturally going to get those, you know, some of your people are just going to die those ways, but it's hard to actually specifically have a champion die that way. So it takes a little bit of work And with this game being, you know, as much time as you need to beat it. It's, it's not worth uh, achievement hunters, but uh, getting to our final thoughts, Liz, I want to hear from you. Oh, geez. I think that I'm going to give it a 78 because where I'm at, I think it's a 78. And I feel like, I don't know. If I had like done like an hour less of playing, I would have given it a much lower score. I just think right now where I'm at, it's kind of repetitive. But before it was like too hard. It didn't really say too much. And I do, I'm going to give 75. 75. Final answer. <laughs> For me, I think Darkest Dungeon is a lot of fun. It, it did get a bit repetitive. It, it's not my favorite roguelike, but it's very different. It's at least very unique compared to other ones. I, I you know, I love games that are take place in like a Lovecraftian kind of universe. I love kind of like this, you know, managing of stress, health, you know, camping out, dealing with food. It, it's a lot of fun, but honestly, I just wish they kind of reduced things. Like it does, it does not need to be 54 hours long to beat this game. Like that's too long to be doing honestly the same thing of going to these same dungeons over and over again. So if this game was a little bit shorter, I think I would enjoy it so much more. But I love the art style. I think the characters are really cool. Everyone has really cool, unique abilities. I love kind of building that team and like finding one that just really works for me. So for me, I think give it an 83. It's it, it definitely just got just for me, it was just too tedious near the end. But, you know, the announcer hearing him over and over again as you know, sometimes we put a smile on my face and other times I'm like, please just shut up announcer. I, I'm, I, I get it. My guy's failing miserably. I don't need to hear you making comments about it, but yeah, I, I highly recommend it. I think it's a fun game. I enjoyed my time with it. So yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I am really a sucker for roguelike games in, in general. They are always fun to me. I, I don't know. I, I think I get, a little bit too bored sometimes when games get a little too long so i love to just run die repeat i like the repetition but also randomness that comes with that repetition so like i i'm kind of always sucked into these games and so they're always going to get a game for me just about and i think i i think i complained a lot about this game the bag space is too small it gets a little bit too grindy you know the controls kind of suck but overall none of that it or even the achievements that are bugs for me that i wasn't getting like all of those things aside that like make it sound like this isn't a good game. It's so fun to me. And like, it's, oh, it's like a slay the spire that I probably won't sit down and plug in four hours at a time. Like I was doing when we played it for this week. But if I've got some downtime and I'm just like, I don't know, I want to pick something up for 15 minutes, a half hour. I'll probably pick this up and run through it every now and then. Cause it's just kind of, it is fun. And I agree with Andrew that 54 hours to get through this game. And I was playing on radiant mode, which from what I understand, isn't really less difficult, but some things are slightly tweaked just to make it slightly shorter. So if if it takes even longer than 54 hours on radiant mode, or I don't know, even if it takes 45 on the one I'm on, I just think that that's too much. Like this should have been, by the time Andrew and I are hitting 25 to 30 hours in this game, we should be about wrapping this game up, especially not when there's no 
new weapons or anything. There's really yeah. just new skills. But at the same time, I got to give it an 85 because I just think it's an awesome game. I think it's so unique in terms of being a turn-based survival, like stressed horror-based uh, roguelike that I, I think it's really cool. And, and I think it's so fun and unique. So uh, thank you so much, Man Brew Pig, for uh, giving this game recommendation. But I think that's going to do it for us this week. I've been your hardcore gamer host, Angie. You can find me on Xbox Live, Firebird0952. If you have a game suggestion, we would love to hear it. You can email us at gamepassgrabbag at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, where I post the photos and the score. And if you feel so inclined, we do have a no- donation tab there. So please let us hear your game suggestions. Keith, where can people find you? Um, they can find me on our new merch site, gpgbpodmerch.com. It doesn't actually exist. <laughs> yeah, me and Keith have been playing with merch. Uh, I, I created some very sexy underwear. Hey, I create. You saw my lovely beach attire. I had everything: the flip flops, the beach towel, and the the beautiful beach hat, embroidered beach hat. At that point, I might add. So, oh. I'm just saying, the, the, we'll, we'll the potential's there. With this stuff, but it was fun to create. <laughs> I'm gonna buy a stitched hat just to spite you. <laughs> I like to say that I like to go last, specifically because you always skip my segment if I don't. Yeah. Um, but that's okay. I'm oh, Liz the Noob. Game oh, tag Conan Dean, and I'm on Twitter <laughs> at Liz the Noob. Noob is EW. No, I, I think about that. I don't want to tell us how it's Metacritic. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's fine. It, honestly, it does though. Well, especially if did we did we have our co-host? Did he chime in? No. Oh, so this felt like Xbox a game he would have. TBD. And I didn't even think to go through all of the PC because, um, I mean, I figured he wouldn't be there. No, I'm I'm almost certain he's on game. He's on Game Pass. Yeah. The the, some of his reviews, he reviews old games like within a month or two of when we're doing them. So he's either listening to us and you know trying to get ahead of the curve or something. But I think he's on Game Pass. Thanks. I feel like a jerk that I completely skipped your segment. Yep. No, it's totally fine, but you always you always say that I use that as an excuse, and I'm just showing you that it's not an excuse. You just forget about me. I'm, I'm giving, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm giving Liz a touche on that one, because, uh, yeah. Because you always asked me before. <laughs> but anyway, thank you all for joining us this week, and we hope to see you again next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.